If you're watching on social media, you're going back and listening to this on a podcast platform. Thank you so much. Go ahead and share this with a friend. Make sure that you subscribe to the Living Well channel and subscribe to KHEA Radio, however you get your podcast. I'm excited. We have some guests in studio. Here we go. Good morning. This is KHEA Radio.com 99.5 FM. This is Kickstart. My name is Guardy. I got a, a guest in studio. I got two guests, but I got one who's pretty much the, the man every Tuesday. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Introduce yourself. Oh, my name is Dr. Aaron Chop. It's great to be here. I feel great to know that I am the man today. The man. Yeah, that's, that, that feels really good. You just you know, made me, my insides feel like a little jump, <laughs> a little jolt. I think I needed that. So I appreciate the, uh, the, the vouch of confidence there. Good morning, everybody. This is Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. We are excited to be on KHE Radio this morning. This is a fun ride that we've been on for the last couple of years, sharing wellness, sharing health, teaching people how to live well and be well one bite at a time. It's all about food. You guys know that one of my fundamental core philosophies is that all life starts and stops at the cellular level, and nutrition Nutrition, nutrition is the fundamental backbone that either drives your body off the rails or drives your gene code to express life and vitality and longevity. And we are excited to bring a message to you today and just be moving this uh, podcast in a, in a direction that it better serves our audience. We want people to, to recognize that you can go back and listen to this show anytime anywhere as long as you download the podcast app we're on d different social media platforms we're on youtube uh, i believe we're on spotify so just make sure that you're tuning in to all the different venues and i'll have uh Gardy put it in our little drop post banner at some point so that we can get this information to you anytime anywhere that you're ready to roll so good morning and I have a very special friend in the office. Uh, in the office, we're in the office. It's we're in. Office. We're in all. We're <laughs> in our <laughs> office. Uh, and his name is Dr. Arlen Hill. And him and I actually he graduated a little bit ahead of me, and uh, we've been out in the trenches serving people for uh, quite some time. How you doing this morning, bro? I'm doing great. Man, I, I know you made a trip down. Where'd you uh, drive in from? So I'm over in East Texas, hey, yeah. uh, little community over there called Hillister. Hillister. Yeah. So East Texas. So like, so you, you shared something a moment ago, and I think that it's just a, an interesting like little thought. Tell us that little uh, f that thing about Hillister that maybe we might not recognize, being that we're city folk. Yeah. So it, there's a when I first moved out that way, we found a map of the of the county, and it was broken down into cities, towns, and communities. And we didn't make the city or town list. We only made the community <laughs> list. I mean, I don't. I mean, but at the end of the day, isn't that kind of cool, right? Like all great things have to have a solid community. We're in a you know a homeschool program, and one of the uh, Jennifer Withy actually always told me it's about the community. So what is the community? What is community life like up there? What are you? What is it that you're doing with yourself these days? Yeah. So we've got a, a regenerative agriculture ranch up there. Uh, you you mentioned our experience. In in the trenches and dealing with patients and probably four years ago now we realized that I, there was a consistent theme that I was hearing with patients where they were saying look you tell me about these good foods and what I need to be eating but actually finding those is turning out to be a bit of a challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> isn't it and so I said you know that's that is a, a pretty consistent theme I'm hearing and it's time we do something about this and so back in 2017 we started Harvest Hills Ranch and we did that with the mindset that we were going to be the outlet and the source for individuals that were looking Looking for a clean, nutrient-dense food source. Wow! And so, like, okay, so you've got, I, I guess, produce. You've got animals. Like, what, what's all out there? 
uh, on the ranch that you're uh, working with? Yeah, so our primary focus is going to be grass-fed finished beef, pastured poultry, uh, our pastured uh, egg-laying chickens, and then ducks for uh, for eggs from them as well. And then we do have a vineyard and an orchard as well as a market garden. Um, we like do a vineyard like wine. Well, it can be for it can be used to produce wine. Dude, you could, I mean, that could. Make, we were just like just recently up in the hill country, and I mean, I didn't realize how many vineyards were like on every corner. That's like a, a big thing. Oh yeah. And I just I I know people drink a lot of wine and stuff like that, but I I don't think I realize like how much. But that's kind of cool. So I mean, so you got ducks, chickens, beef, mm-hmm. and but you said something about the chickens. You've got free range chickens, and then eggling chicken so those aren't one and the same no they're not the there's actually a, a mix here so you have what are known as pure meat birds and they have different genetics okay um, they produce extremely fast they get up to weight really fast uh, we typically only keep them about seven weeks so it's a very quick turnaround and then you have egg laying chickens on the opposite end and they're strictly for egg production um, and then you can't have these birds in the middle, which can be used for both, but mm, it's sort of splitting hairs with those groups. So yeah. it's better just to have a pure me bird or a pure egg laying bird. So, I mean, it's seven weeks and they're ready to go. They're the, ready to the, go. The, the meat birds. Yes. Wow. Well, I, I, you, you don't know this, and I didn't know this until I was sat down to eat. But uh, this weekend, we were in Georgia, uh, my, me, Jennifer, Molly, Dr. Amber, and we. Uh, they drove uh, Molly and Jennifer, and uh, Doctor Amber and I flew, and but on Saturday night we had, um, or Sunday no yeah Saturday night I can't remember now it's okay, it was <laughs> a lot has happened in the last seventy two hours, um, but there were these she brought out Jennifer brought out these two packages of like wings, and chicken like, wings yeah. And I was like, man, those look pretty good. I mean, I didn't, I've never seen anything like it. She, uh, um, we're we're experimenting with some with some uh, battering and some playing with uh, nutrients. We had some arrowroot, so we kind of like you know uh, f- put them in arrowroot. We put a little bit of garlic and onion powder with it, and uh, there was a grill at this uh, uh, place we were at, so we started grilling them up. And I put, I, we, just I'm just telling you how we did it because I'm normally in my in my rudimentary way. I mean, I want to douse it with fats and, and butter and, you know, b- bacon grease. And I mean, I want to put all kinds of stuff on it. Well, we're doing some experimenting by cutting some of that stuff out. So we didn't do any of it. So like it's on the grill and I'm literally like basting it like with water, you know, at, to keep it you know moist. And it was about 25 minutes that I had them cooking. And um, when we sat down to eat, bro, dude, I found out that they were his chickens. And so I'm like, give me three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they were they they weren't your like standard like little bitty wing. I mean they were like, I mean they were meaty and they were delish. I was I was truly truly like blown away. I could have eaten like you know six more of them. And those are seven weeks old. Is that what you said? Those are seven weeks old. And tell us the tell us the process because Jennifer and Molly told me a little bit about like how this works and, and 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 guys I share this because people don't appreciate what they're buying at the store that it just shows up magically 
at their at their storefront, uh, and they go to their grocery store and you buy it. And nowadays, you heck, you can go online and buy this stuff and go and and pick it up outside the store, and you don't even have. To, I mean, we're getting so disconnected. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. That is one of my biggest things. Is that, and that's also one of our underlying missions is to reconnect people with their food because the more distant we get from our food and from the production of our food and actually taking a, a an active role in it, the more we can have slip bias the more we can be told is acceptable with our food supply and basically have the wool pulled over our eyes of what we're actually consuming and sure enough that's happening i mean we can tell you and i both know a lot of these birds uh that people are buying are loaded with hormones and gosh knows how many chemical processed food sources that they're getting into and we just don't appreciate that those things that are in those birds get into us right you know what they eat you're eating, right? Right. That's absolutely right. And so, I mean, you've got to be mindful. I mean, if you've got a bird, I mean, what's the, I guess, what's the standard? Because, like, uh, you, your birds are seven weeks. Is Can you do it faster? You can. In fact, in the conventional world, they do it in five to six weeks. Okay. And, and so, how do they do that? Okay. So this, this is, is good. I'm, and remember, everything he's about to tell you, that is coming into you when you eat it. Yeah, so let me let me illustrate a big difference on this because if if anyone listening hasn't done this, I would actually recommend going to Google and just typing in commercial chicken house so you can actually get a true visualization of what I'm getting ready to say to you. But these houses, they're extremely long and they house anywhere from about twenty seven to thirty thousand birds in one house. Good gracious. Now that's a lot of birds. That's a lot of birds. Now just for and most farms have on average at least four of these houses. And so you think four times 30, you're 120,000. Uh, you're basically looking at every five to six weeks, they're turning 120,000 birds. Okay. Now, in the mobile coops that we use on our pasture, we're looking at 30 birds is what we're topping out at. So 30,000 versus 30. And we're moving these birds every day. So it's a much different model comparatively than what the conventional system is. Um, when we're moving those birds, uh, we're giving them fresh grass every day. And we actually start them out in what we call a brooder. So we, we have to attend to make sure that they have an adequate amount of space in that brooder. We control their environment. And then when they hit that two and a half to three week age, we can move them out to pasture and they finish their entire life on the pasture or finish the rest of their life on pasture. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> I just, I'm always, I'm fascinated with, you know, biology. I guess that's just you, how you and I are, are wired, right? We just right. like the, how things evolve and come together. And so, I mean, and, and so if these guys can do this in five to six weeks, they're, they're, do, they're manipulating something. You have to. And so what is it that they're manipulating? So a couple of things on this. So you have to, first of all, understand that when they're in these environments, in these closed environments where you're not allowing the chickens to express their normal chicken activity, right? We want to keep the what we might call the chickenness of the chicken, yeah, absolutely. if you will, right? Which I would envision would be pecking the ground, looking for worms. Yeah. And- you know, scratching, doing the- you know, doing the things that chickens do, right? Those animals are not allowed to do that in that conventional model. So by virtue of that, you have to have inputs that are going to influence that. So some of the things that they do, they do have antibiotics that they introduce into these in different <laughs> ways, because otherwise you've got them in a crowded space. You would have various 
bacteria. bacterial diseases spreading rampantly in that environment. Because they're sitting in their stuff. They're just sitting in their manure, whereas you compare that to what we do, whatever they defecate over a 24-hour time frame, the next morning they get moved. And so now they've got completely clean pasture to work with. To work with, right? And that yeah. happens every single day. So the, the, will a bird sitting... Like in that long, in that big, uh, what'd you call it, the the chicken house? The conventional chicken the con- house. Conventional chicken house. If they're sitting in their stuff, do, do, are they smart enough to know not to peck into the ground, or do they stick their head right in the ground? They'll still peck into it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In fact, it's, so not only are they getting antibiotics, they're getting, you know, excrement. They're getting excrement too. In fact, one of the things that I they hope do, their buddy next to them uh, had a good meal last night. I think is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all having the same oh, meal because it. that's a that's going to be a controlled uh, controlled feed source, right? Yeah. So they're only letting a certain certain feed come through there, which is predominantly corn, soy based. So it's a grain based based feed, which most people are going to look at that and say, "Well, I I only want chickens that are." Uh, that are on grass and that are eating grass. And the reality of that is is that a chicken is not a cow. They don't have the same digestive system. So that chicken is a high-energy bird. They do require some type of high-energy input, and grains meet that. So grains are not a, not, should not be considered an absolute no-no for chickens. For, for cows and for ruminant animals, yeah, you, you don't want grains in, in, their, uh, in their model of food consumption. But chickens are different, so they can get away with some of that. What re- what it really comes down to, and this is a, a common theme that we teach even to the patients, is where's that grain coming from? And so right now we're literally starting, just to tell you how difficult it is to find this, we're starting to source non-GMO grains out of Georgia. We live hey. in Texas, right? And so I'm having to, to, to find the farms that and the mills, the feed mills that I'm comfortable with. I have to go all the way to Georgia. To get it, to get it, they they and we're we, talking how much? I mean, how much feed you think you're going through? Uh, for for just our laying birds, uh, we have 120 laying birds right now, and that's and that's actually not including the ducks. We're about 150 if you factor all those in, and so we're doing over a thousand pounds a month oh, in wow. feed, and that's again that's just the laying birds. That's not even the the meat birds. Golly, so I mean you're. you're that means non-GMO, and so the, these birds are getting a very clean source of grain that they can get access to. I heard you say that every day they're starting with fresh pasture. Yep. And 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 I think that, I mean, I could you? I mean, that that sounds that just sounds normal. I mean, I think that sounds great. Yeah. And 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 so what if if you put a commercial bird and your bird up to each other? I mean, what would they what would they look like in comparison? So what you would see is that our bird would would be a healthier looking bird just in general. Uh, one thing that comes to mind for me on this with your question is that there's actually something now called chicken lice, and it's it, it it affects the meat. You can see it sometimes when you have, say, for example, a thigh or a chicken breast. It'll ha- in the store it'll have a spot on it, and it just won't look right. That's lice is what caused that. Ooh. Animals that have good nutritional status don't have that. In, they, they have an immune system. Yeah. They don't have, they're not burdened by parasites like that. And so, I mean, so that obviously just shows the quality of the meat when you can see yeah. that. See, I, don't, I think people just assume that what they're getting uh, wouldn't have those things. I mean, they don't have, uh, I guess they don't have good enough controls to make sure all those things are not um, 
present in what is shows up at the grocery stores? Well, they control to the extent that they can, but yeah, if it's and, obviously bad, they're chunking it, right? right. But, but I wonder how much waste too. You know, like how much is actually well, wasted. Well, so this brings up another another important topic, which is money, right? It's <laughs> it, it's yeah, it, it always yeah. comes back to money. Yeah, yeah. Right, and in that model, you're never going to waste anything. And so, let's say that that chicken doesn't make the grade for for human consumption. It it goes to the animal market. Uh, well, I'm an animal lover. I have dogs. I don't want them eating poor food either. Right. Right. And so, I'm not I'm not satisfied with that. But but that's you because you're educated. Yeah. But the average consumer is just going and buying the the, the cheapest pate and calling it a day. Well, and and so let me extend a little bit further on this. And so th this is this brings up a concept that I call race to the bottom. And this is what most consumers don't think about when they buy food. They want to look at, say, for example, what we produce, which I think is still reasonably priced, and compare that to HEB or Kroger. They're not going to be the same price points. They're never going to be the same price mm -hmm. points. And if you're willing to pay lower and lower prices for your food, then you're going to get what you're paying for. Mm. And you have to understand that. So if you're always willing to pay the lowest cost possible, expect the cheapest quality food possible. Which, guys, basically says that if all life starts and stops at the cellular level, you're feeding your cells the cheapest, most processed, quickest to market junk uh, available. And why would you expect our, your race car, your body, to rip and roar around a racetrack at 200 miles an hour and put bad gas in it right. or, or have cheap parts on it i mean you wouldn't expect you, you shouldn't expect to win unless you're just a gambler and hoping to win the lottery but i mean most people don't win the lottery isn't that right, right. That's and right. and and we've got to so what i'm hearing is there's a level of intentionality that we need to be putting into as a consumer our choices around food like does it t initially take a little extra thought well of course it does yeah but, I mean, I think once you start learning the patterns and then you start finding the sources where you can reach to people that are as infatuated with the idea of quality as we are, then all of a sudden you can trust the source that's telling you, hey, this company's got something great. This, uh, you know, farm, and that's why we talk about supporting a local farmer because they're going the extra mile. I mean, driving, I mean, well, I don't know if you're driving to Georgia, but I mean, you're definitely paying those shipping costs. Yeah. And and with everything that's been going on money-wise in the oil and gas industry, I'm sure your costs have gone up. Indeed. And, and, and but yet there's no, you can't, you can't buy safety and you sure as heck can't buy good quality if you're not willing to put the, you know, the money down, you know, for it. And so right. we've got to be willing to recognize that we're not buying for price. We're buying for quality as much as we can afford in this day and age. Yeah, and I, th I think consumers just have to go back and say, if I'm looking for the cheapest price point possible, then just realize you're getting what you're what you're paying for. So, Dr. Hill, there's been some people that have been asking on social media, and if you're going back and listening to this on a podcast, you can watch on KHEA on Living Well's YouTube channel. There's multiple ways you can get this stream. Absolutely. Dr. Hill, people want to know, how can they get this chicken? How can they get your products, and what do you offer? Yeah, so you can uh, go to harvesthillsranch.com, and there is a shop tab there. It has our complete store. You'll see all of our offerings for whether it's beef, chicken, 
uh, the different eggs that we have, even the broths that we make directly from our animals, uh, those are available as well. I know uh, your beef and your chicken broth are, are big things right now. Folks are interested in collagen. And so we have those available from our animals specifically. So that's pretty amazing. And I hear your wife is just full of energy. And um, I mean, I've just got nothing but raving compliments. And so, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to... Uh, you know, a, a meet, meeting her the, the next time I get the chance to come and visit the farm because, um, but I'm, I, I've seen videos of them making broths and veggie, making stuff, and I've seen them tinkering around in their, in their garden. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I mean, I could talk to you for an hour about each little, end of, and we should maybe, maybe, you know, today's just kind of like an overview because there was something interesting that was brought up to me about your farm that I didn't realize and that we're still, we still talk about it. And, and I feel like I got, you know, I mean, you, you created so much excitement in my office with my staff coming to see the farm that, um, like I'm, I'm so like, I feel really jealous <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel like I, they got something and I didn't get it. And, um, and, and, you know, as much as they tell me, you know, as much you, you, until you experience amazing, you, you can be told about it. But, man, I want to be touched at the cellular level with a good <laughs> with a good experience, you know. So but they we were talking about your cows. We are talking about the you've got this long um, device out in there that uh, out in your farm um, that has different minerals that you get from everywhere, and um, and and, and you, I want you to tell us a little bit about those minerals, but that you specifically use and why. Okay, because again, people just assume there's a cow out there. There's plenty. Every time they drive, you know, from here to Austin or even here down the street, and you see a cow pasture and you see cows out there, that they're getting everything they need off that land. Maybe. Maybe, you know, if the landowner and the and the caregiver actually gives a rip, right? Right. Uh, and so, so you got to take that into consideration. Just because there's cows on that land doesn't mean that cow's healthy, even though he still pees and poops and does all. I did see something really cool on the way to the airport yesterday. It was a brisk, beautiful morning. The sun was just perfect, and I, I'm so fortunate. I always catch animals in the act, and there was crystal clear, little stream of. Not a stream. It was like the size of your bottle of water there, pee, being pierced by the sun's rays, sparkling. And I was like, that's awesome. I wish I had a video camera would have been going. You know what I mean? But you, but going back to your farm is those minerals, one, why do you have them there? Two, where do you get them? Uh, three, and then tell us about the nature of the animals, some of the products that they go to themselves innately. It's like it's in them to know when they're deficient. It really is. Animal, I, I tell you, from from when we started raising cattle to now, what I have learned about these animals just from observation it would would be completely mind-boggling to the average individual. Of it's how, like bird watching, but it's for cows. It's for cows, right? I mean, it's it, these animals are incredibly in tune with their environment, and they know how to manipulate their environment and consume when I say that I mean consume the right things for that moment in time to meet their nutritional needs whatever challenges whether that's weather cold hot too much wind whatever it is that they're facing at that moment they will self-select what is in front of them in the pasture so to ultimately get to your your question about 
the, uh, the, the mineral trough that we use. Let me set the stage on our pastures, first of all, because you, you have to understand this to understand that. So when you look at our pastures, our pastures look probably shabby to the average rancher, but that's intentional. And when I say that, what most what most people do that raise cattle are they will try to have a single type of grass that they emphasize in their pasture. Well, we don't do that. We like to have diversity. And the analogy I like to use for this is, you know, let's say I give you one of my hamburgers and I tell you you have to eat one of my hamburgers. As good as that hamburger is, you have to eat that hamburger every day for every meal for the next two months. Well, you're going to get tired of eating hamburger after a while, right? Yeah, Within absolutely. two or three days, you're going to get burned out on that. They want You want diversity in your diet. Yeah. Those animals are the same way. They want diversity in their diet. And so we allow all of the plants that are inherent to our environment, whether that's grasses, whether it's legumes that are, tend to be higher in nitrogen, whether it's forbs that most people call weeds, we allow all that stuff to grow because my cows have never come up to me and said, you know, that weed over there, I just that just ain't my thing today. Can you get rid of that for me? Most of the time, they're going to actually take a few bites off of it because there's some medicinal value in that at some level. So that- medicinal, meaning it's like almost okay to take a little bit of herbs in our body to activate different systems. That's exactly right. And I think that that is something that I'm trying to get across to my patients at the fun- fundamental level is like using herbs or weeds, or forbs, F-O-R-B-E? B-S, F-O-R-B-S. Okay. Um, And so, you know, using these different plants to activate our immune system, our metabolism, our hormonal system, every part of us, right? Right. And just so, for example, some of the ones that folks will recognize that we have growing sometimes, we have echinacea growing, we have dandelions growing out there. Um, And, and And echinacea is great for what? As immune system stimulant, yeah. um, you know, the, these animals have a diversity of forage that they get to choose and sample from. And so even beyond that, if you come to our farm, and I'm sure your staff probably mentioned this, is that we are constantly moving our animals. So if you come to my farm and you look at my cattle, my cattle are not going to be spread all over a pasture. They're going to mimic how nature does this. If you if you think in your mind about when you've seen grazing animals out on the plains of Africa, so for example, the wildebeest or any of these other animals, they, they move in herds. Hence the name, a herd of cattle, yeah, right? Correct, correct. They move in herds. They put a lot of pressure on the ground, but they're moving. And so we mimic that. We want them to put a lot of pressure on a small area. And then as soon as they've exhausted out that grass, we get them to the next area. And so that may mean that we move them once a day. It may mean we move them three or four times a day. It just depends oh, on really? where we're at. So for for right now, we're just coming out of calving season. We don't want a lot of stress on the animals. We want the, the calves to hit the ground without much stress. And so we don't move them as frequently. But now we're coming out of calving season. And so... Like yesterday, they got moved four times yesterday. And it would be standard in the um, in nature. Typically, when it is calving season, they don't move as much. They don't move as much. So, you, I mean, you've got literally it down to a, a, that level of healthy nat- natural biology. And again, we're still having this underlying theme of nutrition, right? Because yeah, that's yeah. ultimately what it comes back down to. That's so why right. does how does nutrition play into this? Here's the answer to that. So when those animals eat that grass... We have 
essentially time their return to that area so that they are eating that grass in its peak phase of nutrition. Grass has essentially three phases of growth. It starts out very slow. And then it hits a middle phase where it grows extremely fast. It pulls a lot of nutrition into the plant. And then it hits a third stage where the growth slows back down and it starts to develop more of a fiber content to it. So the starches begin to become more fibrous in nature. It's that middle phase, that rapid growth phase where the plant is pulling up a lot of nutrition, photosynthesizing, using the sunlight to harvest energy and to gain energy and create the sugars and the energy. That's when they hit that that's when they hit that grass, right? I so mean, there's, so the more active the grass is, the more active the nutrients that we get are, which in theory should activate our cells to be more rapidly turning over, getting rid of the old, worn-out stuff, and then regenerating the new stuff, right. restoration. And so just to get a little esoteric at the moment, right? So that's when the plant is harvesting the sunlight, and, of course, sunlight creates energy. They, there's that's when the plant is going to have the most energy in it, in it. So if you just factor in that that energy in that plant translates to the energy of the cells of that animal, you've got a more healthy animal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which it's, then when you eat when then when we eat the animal, we're able to maximize the animal's work that they've been doing in the fields. That's right. Huh. Then I, I, that's guys, that is just fired up because it, it, this is a, another piece of education. What I just heard, you have to know the, ed, you have to have the biological sense to know the, that grass grows at different speeds and when it pulls up the nutrients at the right time, so that you have your animal over there, you know, enjoying the luxury of that rapid met- metabolic grass. I mean, there's that's that's why they don't let, that's why they say don't let grass grow under your feet. I guess that's right. Because that's right. If because if so, then you, you the farmer miss the opportunity to get your animal the maximal nutrient density possible. And being that you're doing this all natural, you're you, you know you don't you're not leveraging hormones. You're not leveraging steroids or antibiotics or fake grains, pseudo foods. You know, and Garley, what's how does this work? You know, like when we eat make-believe food, what do we get? You get make-believe health. Yes, right. We get make-believe health, and we don't want make-believe health, and that's why we brought you on the show today because we want people to recognize that, I mean, food matters. Food matters. What you put in your body matters, and nutrition will drive your health in a way that gives you the maximal opportunity to be the best version of you, the most energetic you, the most creative you possible, and that comes through food. That comes through a level of, well, we've got to slow down, and we've got to appreciate that there are people that are understanding the soil, understanding the what's growing in that soil, and then understanding the livestock. I guess, do we call chickens livestock too? We do. Yeah. So anything that's living on it, it's okay. So, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I just know a little bit. I mean, I'm just over here like, okay, new vocabulary, you know, <laughs> let's bring it in, baby, bring it in, download. And so, but we're literally watching, you have to appreciate all facets of the animals living, the uh, and then the soil that you're using, and then the things that are growing. Okay, so you're still setting the stage, guys. So we're, we haven't even got to this, and this is th- there's a reason that we're he's going through all this process because it helps you in your mind's eye develop an appreciation that when you put a piece of meat in your mouth or a vegetable, that it either has the nutritional density and the molecular makeup to drive function, drive metabolism, or it doesn't. Right. And so keep going. Okay. 
you have no doubt in these shows and in your podcast have at some point and probably multiple times over talked about the gut microbiome. Oh yeah, right. We, we everybody knows that Dr. Chopper likes talking about poop and likes talking about <laughs> things that go on down there. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes they even say, "Look, dude, you can't say poop so many times on the radio." Well, it's my job to say poop. If I had known, if you knew that you would get paid to evaluate poop so much, would you have gotten into this work? Probably, because I, <laughs> I, I probably I, I just enjoy the biochemistry and the functionality of it. Yeah, and you know, you know what's really interesting is that I actually the the cattle are the same way. All the livestock are this way. When I walk out in the pastures, I'm always looking at the cow pads. I want to see what those cow pads look like. I want a certain consistency. I take the sticks, I break them up. I want to make sure that that rumen has completely digested the forage that that animal has taken in. So I bring up this this subject about the microbiota. Because we, we understand and have an, at least at a minimum appreciation about how important that is for human health. Well, that whole story equally translates to the microbiome in the soil. And this is where oh. really nutrition starts to, to come to life. Because when those plants are photosynthesizing and taken up, any excess carbohydrates that they have, they push that out through the root system. And when they push that out through the root system, that in turn allows the fungus and the bacteria in the soil, it gives them a communication system to say, bring certain nutrients in. So literally, so it literally uses the carbs. It uses the carbs. They make something called exudates from this. Okay. And those exudates will get excreted out from the root systems in the plant and their signalers to tell the bacteria and the, the micro biology in the soil to bring certain minerals and nutrients back to that plant to allow that plant to thrive incredible i mean dude it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing. it's amazing now what happens just to put a, a, a thought process out there for folks what happens when you add an herbicide or a pesticide to this system you break that whole process apart right you disrupt the communication yes. channel between the soil the microorganism, the fungus, and getting that nutrient into that plant. So now when that animal goes and takes that bite of that plant, it's not as nutrient dense. And this is the real conversation that we should be having. Not just organic, not just chemical free or, or, or chemical laden. Is it nutrient dense? You can slap a USDA organic symbol on a food and it be chemical free, but it's still not nutrient dense. And the best example I can tell you on this is that we've all bitten into these carrots where they just have a bit of a soapy flavor to them. Mm. They don't taste sweet and rich like a carrot should. Right. That carrot is not nutrient dense. So back to the idea of intention, we have to have intention with creating nutrient density, right? Wow. I mean, it it makes so much sense, and and I got to thinking about something you said on the this on the front end uh, about just like a consumer bias, like we just assume that things are okay, just because you can go to your local um, hardware store and buy an herbicide. I mean, do you think people re recognize what herbicides are, or because they're just buying a bag that says what on it? You know that, that that it's something that a weed killer, right? Or a a has three different numbers on it that insinuate a fertilizer of sort, right? Right. And a lot of these things have um, a uh, these herbicides in it that are disrupting the cellular communication. And oh well, but Dr. Chapa and Dr. Hill, uh, I don't have animals growing in my front yard or backyard. 
what does that mean to like our to us that are living in the city? I mean, remember, you're part of a community, so I guess you know <laughs> y'all think different than we do, right? right? So, us city folk that have you know we're butted up against our neighbors' houses. We have you know very strict like plot lands, and my neighbor over here to the right, my neighbor in the back, and my neighbor to the left are sprinkling these junk fertilizers, these junk herbicides all over their property. And if I'm choosing not to, I mean. Am I am I hopeless yeah, in so changing my mineral content? So in my soil? everybody should just ask themselves: Are you comfortable with poisoning your children? Because anytime you go to the mm. hardware store and get one of these herbicides and spray that on your lawn, the first rain that comes through, you're washing that into the sewer system. So now when that goes into the municipal water supply, the municipal water supply does not have the ability to take those chemicals out. They're staying in there. And wow. so now when you take a shower and you open up the pores to your body because or you inhale get that, yep, yep. Yep, you inhale that, uh, you consume that water, you brush your teeth in it, every time you do that, you're exposing yourself to those chemicals that you were comfortable with putting on your lawn just because you needed to kill a few weeds out there. And because we've been told that weeds are bad. Right. Because we call them weeds and not forbs. If we call them forbs, maybe we would have a different right. attitude, right? That's right. You know, and so, I, and I'm really experimenting uh, with uh, healthier fertilizers and, and things like that on my yard and letting things grow. And um, I mean, there for a while, my yard really looked, you know, weedy, so to speak, or should I say forby. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, but to your point, not just your kids, which, by the way, we should all be thinking about that. If they're walking around barefoot in these things, it's also coming up through the pores of their feet. We know there's metabolic downloads in the hands and feet. And my kids and I were doing exercises, bear crawls and lunges in the backyard yesterday. And had we been a, a, a chemical uh, environment, they'd be sucking that cr stuff up because their body temperature's rising, those pores are opening, and now not only am I creating a toxicity, I'm enhancing the mineral needs they have. Well, what if I don't know what I know and I'm not giving them extra minerals? Dude, I almost just pitched you a ball down the middle because here it comes. You're, you go back to the farm and tell us a, about... You've got this. You've got all this working on the farm, guys. So he's he's got everything moving around, but he's got this little, what'd you call it? A mineral tr mineral trough. A mineral trough. Okay, so just to to insert something here, as those animals, as the cattle consumes that grass, they're obviously going to defecate. That poop's going to hit the ground. Eighty percent of what that animal consumed gets redeposited in terms of the minerals and the nutrients. It gets redeposited. Right. And so literally like recycling, you're cycling, you're nutrient cycling. Well, it's in depending on where they're at, what impact that particular plot of land has had over time from environmental stressors. It may be missing certain minerals. And depending on what phase of growth that plant is in, it may not have everything that they need at, for example, the peak of summer when it's at its hottest. That animal's needs, metabolic needs, may be slightly higher than what that plant is able to, to deliver at that point. So what we have is a 20-bin trough, and in each bin, there is a different mineral. There's magnesium, there's zinc, there's copper, there's cobalt. Uh, there's an acid balancer, there's a base balancer. Uh, there's just this plethora of different minerals and nutrients that they have access to. 
these cattle will literally go, and there's a, a big rubber flap over the top of it to keep the rain out, but they will take their head, stick it under there, pick that flap up, and just literally slide down that trough till they get to the mineral that they need to consume, and they will start using that mineral at the rate that they think that they need that mineral. They actually use their instincts. Wow. Yeah. So have you ever, like, seen where, like, they don't touch a mineral for, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how long they would not touch it, and then all of a sudden they just go to it. We have. We actually saw this one time with potassium. When I put the, the trough out, we put the trough out initially. It was in January when we did this, and we did not see the cattle touch the potassium until one day in August. I mean, literally, I would go out there and lift that flap up every day just to check the supply, and the potassium had never been touched. I thought, well, there's something wrong with this potassium. I literally walk out there one day in August. It's, I mean, you know. It's hot. It's hot. And they had wiped out the entire bin of potassium in one day. The whole herd had wiped it out. Oh, wow. There was something about that potassium that they needed at that moment that that availability was able to make up that difference for them and keep their metabolic function at its peak. Unbelievable. I mean, to me, I think that's where we really would love to get ourselves to, where we're instinctually knowing that we need carrots or Brussels sprouts or broccoli or cabbage or some, you know, asparagus. We need certain veggies uh, in certain seasons. I mean, everything was it, it grows in, in seasons, but yet we live in a, a, a land now where we have unlimited access to all kinds of things that we never had access to before and people think oh like going back to what you were talking about earlier the variety is good we we got a plethora of variety we can pull from you know but is that does that does that equate to the same thing that you're talking about or is there something to the fact that we should be eating in season we should be eating in season um we even let me use the cattle as an example on this there are times of the year when we will harvest cattle and there's times of the year that we don't harvest cattle and what we always try to do to the extent possible and the environment and the weather dictates this from year to year a bit so these time frames shift slightly but we want to try to catch these animals at the peak of their nutrition so when they have gained the most weight and there's going to be the best flavor in the beef there's going to be the most nutrition in in that beef and that's when we try to harvest that. We're not going to harvest animals in the dead of winter when the entire landscape is completely brown because the, all the grasses are dormant and the animals are just simply trying to maintain body condition at that point in the year. What do you, I mean? What, what do you do? What do you do to kind of assist or help without like doing it for them or synthesizing processed junk into their realm? Yeah, there's two things that we solely depend on. Uh, the first of which is that we use a process called overseeding. There are, hmm. in, in, in our environment in Southeast Texas, as we all know, with this past year being the exception, it doesn't get that cold here, right? I mean, right. we don't have that many days of freezing here. So what that means is that there's a lot of opportunity for plants that are known as cool season plants to actually make it all the way through the winter. And so we can use those cool season plants. They're not, they're, they're native here, but they have to be planted. So we have to plant those every year. But there are things that people have heard of like ryegrass. I mean, it's just that ryegrass will sustain through the entire winter. That's why a lot of folks use that on their yards because mm-hmm. they want to keep their yards green through the, through the winter months. Makes sense. So we use that. And then we also use hay, but not just any hay. 
We either cut our own hay if we have overages on our grass through the warm months, or we have a specific supplier that we had we had to do a lot of legwork and hunt down to find chemical-free hay that had not been fertilized, had not so been even the hay has been chemically altered. Most hay producers actually brag about having a pure stand of hay using having used fertilizers and herbicides. Which, by the way, that's another input into us as humans, our children, our grandparents, our parents, you know, the generational line. Right. And so now not only are we walking on the stuff, planting with it in the yard, in the, in the soils of our planting, but now we're also eating it we're putting it on in the form of water because it's all the rain runoff. Right. I mean, so we're creating a toxic mess hole. Yeah, and actually, uh, there's a there's information out from uh, University of Purdue or Purdue University up in Indiana that actually shows that the herbicide can um, turn into a gaseous phase and be easily transmitted through the air. Oh my! So now we're inhaling it, just just being around it. It can just get into the airstream, into the windstream, mm. and move. So you have found the this chemical free hay, which your uh, animals then are pretty. I'm, I'm sure they come up to you and say thank you, Doctor Hill, for oh, yeah. for serving us so well, <laughs> right? Or they they just keep on. I'm I mean, you really know too when they walk past, and and you're like, man, I was downwind from that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we we don't have any foul smelling like the things that you might traditionally associate, say, for example, like with a chicken farm or a hog farm or, or a feedlot, those types of smells that everyone knows are offensive. We don't deal with any of that stuff. Like yeah, We never cool. think about that. That is amazing. Well, I think it goes back to when you have healthy soil and that healthy microbiome in the soil would theoretically, you know, um, go upstream into the healthy ecology of the GI tract of the species that you're, it's living on that property. Right. And then then wherever that animal goes uh, and is consumed, or, and it doesn't even have to be animal. I mean, I'm sure you got produce out there too, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know you said you got a vineyard and you've got some of those. My wife's really interested probably in the vineyard. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so she, we, we can talk about that at some point. But the, the, um, the reality is, is, uh, you know, even the produce has an ecology in it. And that's all of those things we can bring into our bodies and maximize the expression of health. So actually, since you since you brought up the vineyard, when your office staff were out at the farm, we had actually taken the chickens and sectioned them off around the vineyard. And the reason we did that is they Fertilizer. were going through, they were picking the bugs, and they were providing their manure. So now we fertilized and we dealt with the pest issue all at oh. the same time. And because of the increased growth in the grasses under the vines that came back, we'll continue to monitor that throughout the warmer months. But that's how we hold the water down in that area. And the more moisture we can keep in, in that environment, the more activity we can have from the micro, microbiology, from the fungus, from the bacteria in the soil. It would be just like us not drinking water or not having any fluid consumption. At some point, we're going to get dehydrated. Yeah, You have to have the water available and maintaining that lush, the, the grass growth under that is what allows us to be able to do that. Man, and it's just amazing to me to, th I mean, 
even though I kind of have an understanding and appreciation for this, because I've been to farms before and I've listened to, you know, people talk about having the science down where the plant props, you know, pops up out of the ground at that harvest level right after the bugs leave. Like they have it, you know, timed really down to a art and a science. And, you know, I mean, it's just fascinating to think that that's even possible. But, I mean, listening to you, you mean the, all the different ways that you can maximize the 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 soil ecology of your land because you recognize and know that if you have good soil ecology then all the livestock all the produce have good rich nutritional density so i mean you're like going the extra mile for things that some people don't even appreciate as life i mean because we're all self-centered and selfish a bit right so we think well you know i just care about me oh really well let's see your diet Right. Oh, don't 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 go there, Dr. Chop. I like my fast food. That fast food place just pulls me in. Right. My and and my 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 daily convenience is just they're they're easy for me. You don't understand. Well, I thought you said that you care about yourself. And we're trying to educate people. Right. I mean, this is one of the hardest things that you and I do in practice yep. is to teach people that they're worth it. And I think that uh, you know. If people, when when we listen to stories like you're painting a, this picture of of life on the farm, I think that you can begin to listen to how the reflection now comes back to you to make a choice on how are you going to move forward with this new information. You know, right. we we you, if you're ignorant, we understand you're going to make some mistakes but unfortunately is there there's there's still consequences for being ignorant isn't there there are so they say ignorance is bliss but i'm not convinced you know i think not knowing because who doesn't love sinking their uh, their their face into you know all the delicacies of sugar and uh, processed food but man if we could get people to recognize i mean if you could get your patients to recognize that their worth is paramount that they were created by God Almighty. He knit them together in, in, in their mother's wombs. And, and, and we find that no one's teaching moms how to eat well so that they feed. I mean, listen, I mean, isn't there a, a transferable story in how you're caring for the soil in order to care for the animals that live on it, which ultimately cares for you and your family? Right. Right? And remember, that was the whole reason I started this. Yeah. Right? I, 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 I grew up farming that was my early childhood and and I did want to go back to that to that environment but I I ultimately did this my driving force were patients mm. was why I wanted to get back out there and get them to reconnect and I think you know like you or I might look at this at, at this point in our life where we're at now when we consume say a piece of grass-fed or finished meat or we consume that pasture-raised chicken and we bite into that and there's a satisfaction both not only at, at the level of our taste buds, but also in knowing that we made a choice that would sustain our health over the long term, right? There's a mental satisfaction in that. So we got that little dopamine release, right? Mm. This stimulated the front portion of our brain and created some pleasure there for us. That's what people are, are reaching for sugar for. Well, you can you don't have to constantly reach for sugar to get, to get that it. same mental response. You just have to develop a new type of relationship with food. Oh, so, I mean, and, and isn't that interesting? I mean, we, we have relationships with our food. I always tell patients that come in and tell me, well, my high cholesterol, my blood pressure is genetic because my doctor told me so. 
right? Or their doctor tells them, well, that's just what life's going to be like because you're getting older. Right. Sorry to be that guy to tell you that. And, and, but yet you and I come along and say, no, 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 no. Your, your habits are familiar, meaning most people follow the same 10 to 11 you know, meal plans that their moms and dads pr provided to them growing up. And then maybe they get a little bit of a hodgepodge of, you know, husband, w wife, family integration. But typically, you know, the, 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 the wife makes 80% of the health decisions for the family, grocery shopping decisions, all that stuff. So really those, those eight, eight to 10 to 11 meal plans come from her side predominantly. And ultimately what's happening is people are just following a recipe of expression, expressing gene high blood pressure or ma mismanagement of stress, anxiety, depression, whatever. And they're missing those opportunities to that they don't even realize that they have a relationship with food. They don't realize that, that looking for the M&Ms or looking for the candy pop or, or the soda pop, that those things are creating a dopamine hit. I mean, that, that's like, whew, what, what, I didn't, uh, I'm manipulating my brain? You know, to me, this is almost this relationship with food. This is analogous to a marriage, right? No matter how long you've been married, you have to put some intention into that marriage. You have to nurture that marriage, right? It's true. And it's the same thing. And if you if you don't do that, it doesn't mean that the relationship isn't there. It's just not a healthy relationship. Right. It's just not good. And that same story applies to food. You can actually put thought into food. You can develop that relationship, or ultimately the relationship that you do have with food is going to be to your detriment. Mm. And whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's going to happen. And, you know, we, we're, we're wrapping up here, but I just wanted to, like, bring— so you have been helping uh, me with some different cool— ecology test in the office um, and looking at people's ecology in the gut and um, in, we had a, part a particular patient in mind that really drove this um, uh, this need for looking into different level of diagnostics and and when you and I had talked about this lady's uh, gut health and it wasn't good. I mean, there was, you know, suspicion of, was it cancer? Was it, you know, ulcerative colitis? Was it Crohn's disease? You know, an advanced disorder where, you know, somebody's got bloody stool. Like if you're walking in the cow pasture and you see bloody stool, you go, huh? Somebody, something's not right here. Well, if you saw that in 17 or 18 patties, you might go, what, Roshaggy? I got a major problem. Right. You know what I mean? And so, you know, this gal um, had some major trouble and we've been working hard at it for over, you know, um, four months, five months, six months. She's been working at it even longer than that. But I remember having a conversation with her, and I called her, and I just said, look, I don't know who to send you to, you know, and, and you're a little bit out of my league, but here's what I know is I always stand by these prin principles that if you stick with the program long enough, you'll make it. If you follow through with the recommendations to the best of your ability, you'll make it. And if you stick with me, like, I mean, my determining factor, and I know you have the same heart, is that we're going to find a solution one way or the other because right. you and I aren't arrogant enough to say that we we can't go and ask for help. Right. And, you know, and I came uh, and uh, got under, you know, some of your tutelage on how to read these tests and gave me some ideas on what to do. And even the doses that we wanted to give this person, we couldn't give them. It was too much. But yet, even though the... um. The, 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 the pace for which we got to the finish line, um, and 
and we're not done, but we're way far down the success track here. Um, she wanted to quit a thousand times in the process. She was frustrated. Her husband's frustrated. Family was frustrated. Friends were frustrated. It, what you're doing's not working. What you're doing's not working. But yet every time, and what, and this was the coolest thing. One of the cool things about this GI map test, it showed all these different antibiotics that they can't use. Right. And she, when she started, I said, just stop start all over tell me the story again i'm missing something and she told me the last the major flare that put her in the hospital where she almost lost uh, 18 inches of her colon or of, of her intestine um they had put her on antibiotics at a, at an er clinic right because they don't they don't do it as right. thorough as a job as a gi might do or definitely not even close to some of the things that you and i are, are digging for right and asking questions around i said you know what We've got this test, you know, and this test shows us what your ecology looks like, and it's a mess, and you've got to evaluate your bowels. If you're sick, if you have symptom patterns that you weren't genetically born with, you better be looking at your GI tract, right? Yep. Well, I, I just I share this with you because here's the success part of the story. She doesn't have cancer. They looked at that. Uh, we, we called that ER. We found out that the antibiotics they put her on were the ones that she can't have that spun her into a flare. She has been doing bone broths. I know you got bone broths out at the ranch. Uh, she can't eat protein, per se, at this point, but she can do bone broths. So we upped the bone broth ante because it's one of the most amazing nutritional foods, correct? Correct. Tell us just a little bit about bone broth. We're wrapping up, but I mean, this is just important to express the power of simple nutrition because it, I think, personally, it was the bone broth that really pushed health into this care plan because I mean I really couldn't get a lot of of our herbal nutrients in because of the sensitivity and the ecology of her gut well and and what comes to mind for me immediately on this is not all bone broths are created equal amen to that right <laughs> yeah and uh, if you're buying it from the store you're probably not getting what you're making on your ranch right and and so the only reason I bring that as the as the initiating statement here is to say that when we look at what bone broth does offer, the minerals that are in there, the since it is coming from the bone and that's such a mineral-dense area, the uh, various proteins. We know collagen is such a ubiquitous uh, compound throughout the body. It's found pretty much everywhere throughout the body. And so literally, if you don't have that coming in in some form and you don't have that nutrient density there, your immune system's not getting the support that it needs. You you can't control inflammation the way that you would ideally want to be able to control that. You're not healing and restoring the membranes that line the gut wall. I mean, there's just a plethora of things that are not taking place that are essential that are essential steps in good health that bone broth can fill those voids. Guys, and listen, as as you come back to this and you listen to this show over and over again, I hope, or share it with your friends and family and loved ones, and you subscribe for, you know, to the channel so that you can just stay up to date with what we call the most up to date health information available to you. We do this for you and educate you. It, we're not even talking. We're scratching the surface on the power of bone broth. We really are. I mean, and so you're you're putting the time in to make these broths, and. To, to not only, I mean, it's more than just restoration of the GI tract. I mean, it's restoring cellular activity and cellular function. It is. It, it, again, I go back to just how 
how widespread collagen is throughout the body. And it's, and I keep saying collagen, it's not even just the collagen part of that. It's the other nutrients that are also found in the bone broth as well that you just don't find in the same density from other food sources. And the fact that it's a liquid, it's easy to consume. It tastes really good, right? Yeah. Uh, we, m- my wife, and just to be fair to this conversation, I am not the one making the bone broth. She's the one making the bone it's broth. It's a joint right? effort. It's, it's a, a team. I'm supportive. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good boy. He's smart. <laughs> I'm Guardian, supportive. you and I can take some notes on mar- marriage <laughs> advice on how to keep it going. That's good. Um, but again, it's it's coming from those same class of animals, right? I mean, they all the intention that we talked about in terms of raising the or getting to that cut of beef also comes into play when we're talking about that that broth. Do you sell just bones and stuff like that? That like if I wanted to make my own broth, or did y'all use everything and y'all make your own broth? We we have enough production that we do have the availability of selling the bones themselves. Tell us, uh, tell uh, the listeners just how they can get a hold of the ranch and make sure that they're tapping into. Because I'm assuming y'all can ship and y'all have you know uh, some a, a level of. If we can't get out there, uh, but we can still, as city folk, can get to it. Do you trust UPS? Well, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it goes back to what are they doing behind the closed door? Yeah. So food and as much time and effort as it takes to produce that food, we don't like taking a chance with it. So I'm not trying to pick on UPS or FedEx or any other courier, right? But the reason I say that is that for the greater Houston area, we actually deliver directly to them. Oh, so we will bring Red. it. We will bring it to your doorstep. Wow. Okay, um, so it, even one better, right? And so that way, it is way going, better. It is going directly from our hands to your hands. Okay, so, so that's that's fantastic. So tell us how we can get a hold of you, and that way we can tap into give us your website number, however, whatever contact that we can, uh, because we definitely have people that are going to uh, you know they're tapped in here right now i see a lot of like you know loves and uh, thumbs up and high five and happening uh on the social media live stream but as you go back and listen i want people to always be able to give you guys a a, a call and reach out and be in stay in contact yeah we we definitely appreciate that um so first i i let me just say this uh we are all about transparency and so to initiate that view of transparency go to harvesthillsranch.com and that's hills with an s harvesthillsranch.com and you'll be able to see the videos that we shoot about what we do how we do it why we do it so our big why we we tell you all about our big why and then we also have a cooking with leah page up there which is my wife showing you how to prepare these so if you have apprehension about i don't know what to do with this well we're we're helping you out with that too yeah absolutely cool and then you can click right on the shop tab you'll see it uh right on the home page there and then from that you'll be able to go into the online store you'll see the different types of beef boxes chicken boxes uh, mixed meat boxes that we have uh, the different bundles that are available for the broths and the eggs and you place your order there and like i said we'll tell you exactly when we're going to be in your area and we'll bring it right to you man guys i I hope that you guys are excited i mean i am literally tickled pink i I want to come and see this live and i'm sure y'all i don't know if you have it up on the website but i mean y'all do live demos where y'all bring people out and educate them right we do we like to make this a day event so we don't do a, a, a lot of these every year we tend to do about two a year but we we make it a big deal we make it fun when folks come out and our next one is going to be october 9th okay cool so that'll be a, a like a winter you know extravaganza like you know going into the fall and whatnot and that'd be kind of cool to see the right. range 
shifting gears. Well, when we show you the ranch, you're going to be doing some walking. So we don't figure many people want to walk in, in July, August, and early September. That's probably so. wise. Yeah, I'm sure you've, there's some uh, you know mental fortitude that went into that. It must have been from your bride, right? Uh, without question. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Well, guys, this is Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. I hope that you guys stay tuned in and subscribe to the channel and be with us every Tuesday. We're here live on social media streams, on our YouTube channel, on our podcast channel. You can catch the show if you missed it. You can share the show with your friends, family, and loved ones. We desire at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center to bring you the most up-to-date health available, health and wellness information available so that you, your family, can appreciate another level of what it takes to get well, stay well, and be well through food, through education, and through information. Tonight at 6.30, we have a class on Eat This, Not That, at our office in League City, Texas. So give us a call, 281-554-8600 if you need some information and directions. You can visit our website at justlivewell.com and make sure that you are there. You're going to love the information. We are constantly updating and giving out new information. Some of it is you know, fundamentally uh, the same, but yet we have evolved it and we continue to tweak it this weekend you know me and my whole clinical team were at the um you know sitting with uh, doctors from around the country learning diet ideas and neurological how that empowers the neurological system in our body to enhance your bones to enhance your mind to enhance the muscles to enhance the visceral organ systems in your body to perform and work better we never stop learning we want to grow and learn so that we can help um, uh, people grow in who they are and and find the best version of them so as we shut down today Gardy, did was there any questions that we needed to make sure that we answered that people there was like yeah. 50 questions we didn't get a chance to, to well, ask our answer. Well, maybe we can get one. I don't know if we got <laughs> okay. time, but if we got time yeah, for one. Let's go ahead. So this one was from Molly, and I thought it was a really good question. She said, do you ever see the need for antibiotics or medicine in your animals? What do you use for sick chickens? So we don't use antibiotics. Uh, we don't use any chemicals on our farm, period. Uh, when we have a chicken that's sick, apple cider vinegar works miracles. How much um, apple cider vinegar? Uh, we do it free choice. So we let the animal consume it. We mix it with some water. Uh, we may put a little bit of uh, silver in there with it for that antimicrobial effect. But keep in mind, guys, that we're, we're talking about the reactionary side of this. There's also a proactive side of this to where the animal doesn't get there in the first place. Sure. And we create the habitat for that animal in their environment where those things are minimized. I'm not saying they don't ever happen, but we rarely run into this. And then we're also, by virtue of any, whether it's the minerals or other things that the, that the birds are fed, we're very attentive to that as well. So we're doing things to keep their inherent immune system up as strong as possible. Okay, so here's another question. This is from Michelle. She said, I don't have room for a whole chicken. Can you buy just the parts you need? And then I have a question. What if you live outside the Houston area? Because there's people that tune in all over the country. Is that something that y'all will do to ship? So we, we don't outside of the Houston area right now. So part of the reason for that, is, there's two answers to this question. So the first is that it's the expense of doing that to make sure that it gets there in a timely manner. Most people aren't willing to deal yeah, the with the expense. Deal with yeah, that. it's very expensive right now. The other reason that we're not really big fans of doing that is that we want people to connect with local farmers in their environment, right? I, truthfully, I'm not trying to feed the world. I'm trying to feed my community. And so 
we want people to connect with farmers in their area that are that have a operation similar or of like mind to what we do and develop that relationship with them. Okay, that's cool. So can they order uh, if they don't have like a, a whole chicken, can they order parts of the chicken or I'm guessing that's the same with the with the cows and stuff too? Yeah, so we do we do cuts. Uh, we don't force individuals to buy say like a half cow, quarter cow, whole cow, that type of thing. Uh, that's not our our business model and we do end up cutting all of our chickens into parts. So you can buy the chicken breast, the thighs, the wings, drumsticks, just like we had. I mean, just, and, and yeah. no doubt about it. Dude, I mean you know, I've 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 eaten it it all, and I've, uh, you know, I, I even rationalize it with myself. Well, I mean, I just can't get access to it. But the reality is, I mean, the your your packaging was. I mean, there was plenty to eat, and we, I mean, we literally were like, this is so good. We just wanted to, we wanted to stuff ourselves. I mean, <laughs> we had a like an issue of like like okay, wait a second, there is a consumption. Like it's okay that we can buy more, right? right, right, <laughs> we, right. we can we can reproduce this, <laughs> right? I mean, it was so good. Oh man, it made my teeth uh, sweat. It was so good, man. Oh, it made man, me happy. Thank you for that feedback. Yeah, yeah, it's great. it's great. Here's another good question. This is from Crystal. She said, "What role does population density of your livestock play in the health of your animals?" We do attend to that, and this is where the example I can go back here is looking at the cattle. We, this, this is getting into some of the nuances of cattle raising, but we have what we call cat, we have a stock density versus things like stock rate. We, we don't really need to delve too far into all that stuff, but we pay attention to those things. And again, we're we're paying attention to the number of animals that we have per acre, but it's not necessarily just about trying to hit a specific number. It's about watching my pastures and actually seeing how those animals are using that forage, making sure that we're not running into a trend for say 30, 60, 90 days ahead where we're gonna run up short on forage. So we pay attention to that. And then as far as the density on those animals, we keep our animals in that herd mentality. We, the, In the industry, this is known as mob grazing. So we like to keep them in tighter groups to mimic the herds of nature and how they would naturally move. Wow. I mean, I, I, I just kind of, you know, think about the, the going back to the, the, the mineral trough. Should we have like a mineral trough for our, our pets at home? And if so, like, well, what would we, I mean, obviously it's not going to be as big as what you're describing. It doesn't have to be, but like, what, what, what should we put down there? And would they, I mean, what I'm hearing is if we could allow them to innately, you know, go and grab what they need, it goes to this proactivity level of keeping your chickens or your beef or your ducks healthy. Like, I want to keep my pups healthy. I want to keep my, you know, my four-legged uh, fur babies healthy. And I know there's people out there that absolutely positively care about their animals uh, more than they care about themselves. Yeah, that's true. What could we put down on the ground to make sure that they have access? I mean, could I put some apple cider vinegar in water? Would they drink it? I think you always have to look at that and just try. It's a bit, some of this is a bit of trial and error, right? Uh, especially with different species of animals. Uh, if you do try the apple cider vinegar, I can give you a word of caution. Do not put it in anything metal. It will rust it. Oh. <laughs> no matter how hey. much you dilute it, don't, don't do that. Okay. Um, wow. Learn that the hard way. Uh, it's an acid, right? Yeah. Acetic acid. So I should have it realized just... that before I poured it in the trough. But nonetheless... <laughs> 
So foundation is key here. So we're talking about the last step in the process with the mineral trough. But ahead of that, we're, we have the forage, the quality forage that they consume. We also use a an unrefined sea salt blend from an ancient seabed out of Kansas that we literally ship that in and we make a brine for them with that. And so they're using that and they're creating a foundation of minerals. So now they're only using the trough to make up those differences that come about as a virtue of their individualism or something in the environment not being ideal for them at that time, right? So, so when you make a brine, you're just putting this in water, boiling it? No, 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 no. We don't boil it. It's just literally taking the unrefined sea salt and putting it in a trough of water, and then they consume it. We give them fresh water. We give them the brine water, and they have access to choose between which ones they want. Whoa, cool. And then if it sits there long enough, you just drain it and start fresh. And, you know, we, ju- we just pour it because it's diluted at that point right we're not using an excessive amount of salt it's about a quart per 50 gallons but we can just slowly pour some of that out on the pasture and distribute across because it's just adding minerals to the pasture Uh, so so nothing gets wasted nothing gets wasted dude i'm so glad that you came down and shared your passion i mean it's obvious that you just got a heart for (laughs) the soil for your animals for you know food and nourishing humans back to good better health through reconnecting so i mean i love that you said that you have a restorative farm you know, and and so you know, just God bless uh, Harvest Hills, man. That's uh, that's really legit, and I'm really excited that we had an opportunity to connect and just you know talk through how we need to re- recondition our thinking and our relationships with our food. Because if you build a better relationship with food and you appreciate that, it isn't the dollar that drives what you should be consuming. It's you as a molecular being, a cellular being that is expressing the the best that it has to express to the world around it, that comes through your choices of what you put in your mouth through food, what you breathe uh, or and drink, and then what you breathe in, what you're bathing in, all those things. So I think this has just a, been an important, amazing conversation to have. And so again, I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. And uh, man, we'll we'll do it again. Absolutely. And I mean. If I can maybe twist uh, Guardian Kurt's arm, maybe I can get him to come up to the ranch. We'll just have a, a like a little <laughs> private, you know, tour. We'll chop it up and make all kinds of fun videos. That'd, that'd be, be fun. That'd be legit. Yeah, I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to Hillister, Texas. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I mean, you always wanted to go to a real community, right? I love communities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing that sticks out to me is Dr. Hill at Harvest Hills in Hillister, Texas. Was that on purpose? It was not. It all just fell into fruit in, uh, into perfect design, dude. Was, it's right? so good. Well, guys, God bless you all. We'll check you on the flip side. Remember, every Tuesday, 9 to 10, we are here live uh, on social media, YouTube, Facebook. We are on the air uh, on 99.5 FM. If you cannot catch the show live, no sweat. Just subscribe to our social media platforms and make certain that you share like and comment so that you can stay up to date that you can get the best of the best when it comes to health wellness and nutritional information so that you can feel good live good and age well all the days of your life so god bless you all we'll check you on the flip side so you can go to harvesthillsrange.com you can also go to justlivewell.com or search just live well on spotify and apple Podcasts and catch up on all the episodes with dr chopper all, all right, right.